Hi there, welcome to episode 5 of MMI podcast, Mental Health During Crisis and Pandemics. Hope that you would enjoy this episode and watch this space as we provide you with more episodes to come. Also, do follow us on Facebook at Malaysian Medics International or our website malaysianmedics.org to know more of our interesting projects. Welcome to the fifth episode of our MMI podcast series, Mental Health During Crisis and Pandemics. My name is Sing En. And my name is Cheryl. And today's episode is Braving Pandemics. How is it like? So today we have invited Dr. Sean, a medical officer from Hospital Sultan Ismail. He will be sharing his working experience as a frontliner during the Movement Control Order MCO and how he copes physically and mentally during this challenging period. Welcome Dr. Sean. Hello. Hi, hi Dr. Hi, I'm Sean Tam. I'm currently working as a medical officer in Hospital Sultan Ismail in Johor Bahru. Okay, welcome Dr. Okay. Sean. Hi Dr. So, uh, if not mistaken, today is the day 41 of our MCO. So currently, Malaysia has shown a downward trend of COVID-19 cases and all these actually owe to the cooperation of Malaysian towards the MCO and of course, not to forget the hard work of the frontliners. Yeah, like Dr. Sean. <laughs> yeah, which I believe Malaysians are extremely thankful to them. Yes. So Cheryl, how have these few weeks been for you? Um, for these few weeks, to be honest, I wouldn't say it's boring. Quite occupied as I'm still having online classes and everything. Quite good and doing fine. What about you, Sing En? Oh, for me, I have been relaxing a lot. Okay, In fact, to the extent of procrastination. So <laughs> actually, I have read a lot of self-help books that I always wanted to read, play PC games which I have purchased and left in my Steam library, and cooking dishes and grooming my pets and a few more but the main point is I procrastinated totally in my academic <laughs> yeah so how about Dr. Sean how have these past few months been for you hello well I'm fine thank you it's in a whirlwind two months there were so many changes to our lives um, the movement control order for one has brought so many changes the cinemas are closed and movie releases are delayed I was actually waiting waiting for Mulan to come out you know I was really looking forward to it but unfortunately you know it has been delayed but one particularly positive change is a reduction of the cars on the roads so you know, I can go to my hospital really quickly <laughs> no jam. Mm, yes. But in regards to my, my job though, there were many, many changes. Um, I was initially deployed to Hospital Permai, for instance, where, where I stayed for two weeks, uh, performing COVID duty over there. And after that, on my return to Hospital Sultan Ismail, I was actually transferred to the Sari Ward, um, where I was part of the team managing patients with lung infections. There were a lot of things that I had to read up and to refresh my memory of because as a psychiatry trainee, you don't manage patients with respiratory infections very commonly. But uh, it was a fun experience altogether. I see. So, in view of this sudden occurrence of outbreak, other than the experience you have shared with us just now, like we heard that you have gone from department to department, 
what is the other significant adjustment made on the hospital staff and infrastructure to combat against this COVID-19 outbreak? Mm, actually, in the hospital setting, there were a lot of changes. We are all, patients and staff alike, are all required to wear masks now. We also have uh, social distancing measures in place, uh, so everybody is required to sit at least a meter apart. I trust that you have seen some of the images on social media, which actually shows chairs being cordoned off. Yeah, that. So we have temperature checks at every entrance. Uh, we also have an increase in hand sanitizing locations. So we all can see that there is a, actually a huge change in the environment. And I think one of I think one thing all of us would tell you is that the emergency department actually is less crowded now. The people who require emergency treatment are being cared for. Uh, yes, they are being cared for quite, quite rapidly when they reach the hospital. And that's a positive change. Oh, I see. So, doctor, if usually uh, mm. in emergency department, when someone actually, uh, they actually seek for treatment, usually in government hospital, we have to wait for one to two hours uh, just to you know, get treatment and get everything checked. So, for now, actually, how long does we need to wait before we were attended? Well, okay, I don't have the actual the exact numbers, but uh, again, we need to we need to split this by the zone. So, if you are if someone requires immediate medical treatment, like let's say in the red zone, they always get treatment immediately, meaning there's no wait. They reach, they get attended immediately. Uh, people in yellow zones usually take can are people who have conditions which are able. Uh, are able to afford it time to wait. So meaning, uh, they usually can wait for a little while before being seen. Uh. Now these people, some it used to be some quite some time. You know, they used to wait for quite some time before they, they get to seen. But now, uh, when they reach because uh, of the less crowd, they are able to be attended uh, almost immediately as well. Uh, the green zones usually have a longer waiting time. Uh, currently because. Uh, currently, they have shorter time to wait as well. Oh, okay. So it means that it's uh, obviously shorter than the usual time, right? But I mean, like we don't know the exact duration. We don't have exact duration yet, but oh. it's shorter. Okay, okay. Right, okay. Uh, Dr. Sean, I believe this is your first time uh, facing such pandemics. So actually, how's your experience in being a part of the team? Well, it was fun, to be honest. I am very fortunate to be grouped with two different teams of fun people. People whom I am able to click well with, and that led to many enjoyable experiences. The, the atmosphere was actually something like a school camp. Uh, we slept in sleeping bags, we ate Maggie into the deep of the night, uh, we borrowed someone else's toothpaste. That was actually quite fun. Uh, but we had to work to earn these fun times. Uh, and that was the meat in our sandwich. That was the most important thing. Lah. So I was in two different places where we had two different systems. In hospital, in hospital Permai, I was working from an 8, uh, 8 to 5, 8am to 5pm shift and a 5pm to 8am shift. Then in hospital Sultan Ismail, I was working 8am uh, to 8pm and an 8pm to 8am shift. Um, <clears throat> So the, the most taxing part of it would be the time when we have to put on our PPE to work. Mm, okay, okay. So, uh, doctor, so usually you said uh, you sleep in the sleeping bag. Is it because like uh, you, uh, 
how to say, don't have the time to go back home and then you just make a resting place in hospital? Um, I mean, if you are working night shift, you are expected to be staying in hospital. Mm. So, like, I, I have a sleeping bag, I usually bring my sleeping bag. Uh, more comfortable lah, sleeping in this sleeping bag. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, doctor, actually, if you do night shift, and I mean, like, you said that you have two, you are doing two shifts, mm. actually, how, usually, how long, what, uh, how long or how many hours is it lo- allocated for you to rest? Okay, so when we come to the working working world, uh, it is something like pandai pandai lah. So meaning, you have to plan your time properly. When you see an opportunity, you grab it lah. But of course, uh, when you want to rest, you make sure your things are settled before you actually go rest. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I mean like for this, there's also uh, they don't have a specific time, right? I mean like you said, if how long means, uh, mm. like how to say, uh, just just grab the opportunity and then there's never a fixed time for the for yeah. your resting schedule, right? So we try to we try to um, complete our tasks early. Let's say about 10, 11 p.m. Uh, and once we finish everything, we go bathe. And then we might have some have grab a bite and then we get to sleep lah. So there is no there's no you know rigid time in the day that we go and sleep but it's just that when we sorted everything out then we mm, feel that mm, okay it's, it's time then we go and sleep mm, okay okay so does this applies to your meal times as well yeah 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 of course um i mean you need to you want to find time off to to go and makan right but mm. you obviously have to complete your task first um but we have to be quite smart about this lah, meaning Janganlah, uh, you f- work until you forget your lunch like that So, usually around 12, 1 When we feel that, mm, okay, it's time for lunch Then we just say, let's have a break uh, 30 minutes maybe Then we go makan And then we come out and we'll come back and work again Oh, okay, okay, I see So, it's like, basically If you want to go for a break or you would like to have a break basically just complete your own things first lah but have to be be like not to say be careful like you have to aware that you have to get enough nutrition as well so that you can cope with all the cases and everything right yep uh, because uh, while we are providing service for the people for the nation uh, it is important to know that the first person you, you, you need to take care of is yourself first uh, so, yes so while, while things are busy, you know, while you have a lot of things to do, must make sure to have proper nutrition, proper hydration, uh, and proper rest, lah, of course. Of course, enough rest. Oh yeah, we actually came across a picture of you drenched in sweat after taking off the PPE with your Facebook post that went viral. Can you share with this experience, like, how was taking off and putting up PPE, like, like, how was this experience feel like? Hmm. That that would be right after I completed my work lah. So um, it wasn't put, it wasn't easy putting it on. There are a lot of steps, and there are so many different equipments that you have to put on step by step. You have to do it in the right order. But we have to perse- we we persevered because we understand that the PPEs are there to protect us from contracting the virus. Now the trouble is the material is waterproof 
So when you put everything on, your heat and your sweat are trapped in that layer of cocoon. And by the end of it, we were actually swimming in our own sweat. Cool. Yeah. And I let you into another of the things that we undergo, which is the N95 mask. Ah. So the N95 mask that we wear has to be properly fitted to our nose and mouth to cover our face. Which means that there won't be any gas exchange with the environment so that virus won't come in, right? So we are basically breathing in our own exhale. And because you know the exhale has got more carbon dioxide content, yes, and it's warm and moist air, even our breathing requires more effort. So it wasn't really it wasn't really an easy experience being in the full gear. Um, we do our best to complete our tasks uh, quickly, as quickly as possible. But we want to say quickly, right? We need to also bear in mind that when we do our things, we cannot like chin chai do. We cannot simply do these things. You know? We have to uh, be responsible to the patient and also be responsible to the, the, the resources that we are using. So we have to, we have to get everything done, everything done uh, in the right way. So we, we, we usually spend about 2-3 hours in the suit. Uh, only after we complete everything, we come out. And before we come out, we have to doff, we have to remove our gear step by step or so. It's a really uh, very taxing, very taxing uh, procedure. But you know, at the end of the, when you remove your face mask, you just well, it's like you are breathing in new air, and it's like so, so uh, re- refreshing. Hmm. So it's like finally able to breathe in air because a lot of carbon dioxide was trapped inside. I'm sure that it must be very tiring in wearing and taking off the PPE. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Doctor Sean, and you say that usually, uh. On average, usually uh, all these fine liners they will be in this uh, complete PPE for average of two to three hours, right? I mean that is my own experience, lah. So for oh. for us in our our team, it's usually two to three hours in uh, on average. Yeah, I mean oh, even wearing the N ninety five mask. Okay. Um, when you when you when we are wearing the we are going in with the full gear. Uh, N95 is part of it lah. But mm. uh, those who are not in con- direct contact with patients, we do not wear N95. We wear the normal uh, surgical three-ply mask. Mm. And then it sounds very suffocating. I mean like does uh, any of the uh, medical officers or any uh, anyone that they actually wear N95 because you said that uh, I mean like yeah, the feeling is like you breathe in the exhale air. So I mean, like, uh, will is is there any something happened that where they actually fainted because they wear all these PPE for too long or anything happened before? Well, I mean, number one, I'm very fortunate that in within my team nobody has fainted yet. So yeah, I think I think we all uh were were we all were brief lah. Uh, if you feel that you are not comfortable, if you feel that you need to take a break, you just raise your hand and say. That's it for me. I need to go off and take a break. Um, so I'm very fortunate that nobody has uh, fainted yet. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like that sounds a good idea. If like you let people to voice out, I mean, like if they feel uncomfortable. So it really sounds very time-consuming and suffocating for wearing a full PPE. 
and actually we often came across a lot of news and posts on social media talking about this. So actually I believe that in order for all these frontliners to work in such a working environment, it is very important to be mentally strong. So Dr. Sean, what do you think is the current mental health situation among the frontliners? Because we feel that it must be a very stressful situation. Mm. Like you said, this is a pandemic of a scale where we have never encountered before. There are huge changes that are happening right now. For instance, the MCO. So what we have to do is to adjust ourselves uh, in accordance to the changes that are happening. Now, in a more microscopic scale at the hospital level, there are staff being transferred, like myself being deployed to Hospital Permai, staff are being uh, transferred to Surrey wards, staff are being sent to Men ICU, etc. We all have to make adjustments in a short period of time. So, we also have to take into account that we, as healthcare workers, are also worried about contracting the disease. We live with our family members, some with their parents, some with their kids. It's something that is always in our minds. In this kind of environment, and this kind of situation, some people are able to adjust quickly. But this is not for everybody. Not everybody are able, is able to adjust quickly. So it's very important uh, that we actually have the empathy and to be able to understand the issues that people are facing. To answer your question, there are a lot of people having um, reporting increased scores in terms of um, stress and also anxiety. And that is not something really good, but I'm very happy that uh, we are actually coming up with uh, measures such as uh, psychological first aid, PFA, uh, that we are trying to uh, support and assist in whatever way we can. See, and yeah, doctor. Uh, yeah. So means that uh, the PFA actually becomes the something like a major help for for the frontliners that shows increased scores in stress mm, yeah. at this period of time. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So other than PFA, um, the psychological first aid which you mentioned just now, is there any? coping mechanism or ways which you and your colleagues have been using to cope in this stressful situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, you actually answered my question uh, when you said uh, uh, coping mechanism. So as a psychiatry medical officer, uh, I would be speaking in terms of having good coping mechanisms uh, because it's important to let off steam at the end of the day. It could be as simple as listening to your favourite songs, watching your favourite movies, uh, perhaps drawing, posting TikTok videos, or even telling the stories, ventilating to your friends and family. Just remember, it's not—it's very important to not bottle everything up and to let uh, things go at the end of the day. So, you need to find a way that is suitable. Uh, you need to find a coping mechanism that's suitable for you. Uh. I see. So, um, Dr. Sean, then which is your preferred coping mechanism then since you have listed quite a few just now? Well, I mean, um, I like to listen to music. Listening to songs on my way home is actually the the way I relax. So, that's how I recharge myself. uh, So that when, by the time I reach home, I'm actually uh, quite fresh and ready to continue with my work uh, at home. 
So work would include uh, studying for my exams and all. But listening to music is something that I like to do every day. Yeah, listening to music and reading is actually quite good. I mean, it's a very good way to cope. Even, even uh, in normal situation, these two ways have been actually a very good way to distress ourselves as well. Mm. Mm, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah. So, Doctor Sean, from what you have shared with us just now, it's very obvious that actually this pandemic have really taken a toll on the mental health of everyone, uh, especially our healthcare workers. So, uh, actually, what are the measures implemented by government to protect our healthcare professionals' mental health, or is there any? Well, okay. I mean, we spoke about. Psychological First Aid PFA just now. Um, so I just introduced you to what we have been doing in my hospital. So um, how do we detect the situate the the condition of our staff? There are two ways actually. Uh, one is the active way, whereby <clears throat> we we actively sort out their condition. So we have a questionnaire, uh, and we it's called the Dust uh, Dust Twenty One question. Uh, questionnaire and we send it to every member of the staff and when they it's completely anonymous of course but when they uh, send us when they when they complete the survey and send us back we would be able to see you know uh, which score is uh, abnormal so if someone is normal in terms of the stress scale the anxiety scale and depression scale then things are you know manageable at the time for the timing but if someone has got something abnormal like an increase in anxiety or uh, stress scores we will be uh, contacting the person because the person has to leave their phone number and their email address we'll be contacting the person and to find out uh, more about the, the person of course that this is active way the passive way we are doing is that we have a hotline and our hotline is always on so if there's any issues that our healthcare staff require they can contact us directly of course our clinic is located in Aras Dua Hospital Stone Ismail so if anybody wants to needs help they can come walk in as well and we can uh, we can try to assist them but of course this is only applicable to staff um, actually what PF I will, I will speak a bit about PFA lah. so what PFA is actually PFA for sh- is actually a humane, supportive, and practical response to a fellow human being who is suffering from a serious stressor and who may require support. What PFA practitioners like myself do is to employ a look, listen, and link action principles to identify the issues that are being faced by these people, and we aim to mediate a resolution for them. Now. The PFA is not a magic bullet huh, that is able to solve our problems, it is not. But it is a conduit to linking the person to a potential solution. To my understanding, every hospital in Malaysia has a PFA team working. Uh, like myself, again I'm on PFA duty in HSA, HSI today. Uh, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are working overtime <laughs> uh, nowadays. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, for so for this PFA actually, uh, we know that Dr. Sean is involved in this PFA, and Dr. Sean actually do this voluntary. Is it? Um, uh, well, it is part of the 
uh, it is part of the job scope of the psychiatry and mental health unit. Uh, but of course, I would be if I were not willing. I mean, if I were if I don't want to do it, I would just say I don't want to. Right? Uh, it is a voluntary. It is a voluntary uh, job, lah. I wanted. I wanted to do it as well. I see. Since you talk about the active and passive PFA, in your hospital, which type of PFA is more preferred or is being used? The active type or the passive type? I mean, in terms of reaching out to people, uh, in terms of getting responses, of course, the active one is, uh, you know, we get we get a bigger response in terms of the active one because we are the ones who approach them uh, ourselves. Uh, yeah. I see. So, meaning that uh, the active types of PFA is being done re- on a regular basis, right? Hmm. Yeah. So when the results come in, uh, we will look at the results every day, and we will see. Hmm. Okay. So perhaps this person requires a phone call to find out what, what we can help in. So that's what we do, lah. We just call them. Oh, and like kind of like consultation and everything will goes on, lah. Uh. Uh. It's not a formal consultation. Ah, this is an informal uh, conversation. So at the end of the conversation, we would have already listened to them. We would have already uh, have an idea of what uh, we need. So we we discuss with them and see what is the potential solution that we can have. It could be it could be a formal consultation. Uh, it could also be us linking them to psychological services. Uh, there are a lot of things that we can do from here. Okay. It sounds quite interesting, actually, because this is the first time I came across this uh psychological first aid PFA. Mm. I I think it's a very interesting thing for us to explore further. Uh, it it is it, it has been present in the yes in present for some for some years already. So perhaps uh, we can explore uh, a session on how to do PFA in the future, lah. Hmm. Yes, I agree. Totally agree with this. So, um, in regards to mental health, there are many channels actually made available for the public for them to seek help. As a fellow frontliner at the hospital, um, Doctor Sean, what would you like to suggest to the public to help improve mental health in this current situation? Hmm. Yeah. Uh. I think I think it is very good. I mean, uh, it is very fortunate that in Malaysia we have got quite a number of channels that we can uh, log on to. Uh, for emo- for emotional support, Befrienders is always available. You guys can probably provide the hotline to the public later. Uh, but um, yeah, but Befrienders is always uh, available for people to obtain emotional support from, and also for people who are exposed to domestic abuse, Talian Nur is available as well. Uh, it is very important to speak up when a person has an issue, and please, I would like to say to everybody to not be hesitant to seek help if you feel like you need it, because we are here to provide uh, professional services, and we will not, uh, you know, we will we will accept everyone who comes to to see us uh, for our help. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree with Doctor. Uh, yeah, I agree with the Befrienders. I have heard about Befrienders before 
Actually, before this COVID-19 outbreak, uh, this organization has been quite active in receiving uh, different kind of calls. Like, yeah, yeah. for example, if one has suicidal ideation, they also help uh, providing different kind of support as well. Yeah, of course, we will provide the hotline after this. Hmm. Okay. Mm, yeah, Dr. Sean, so uh, being a part of the frontliners, Actually, have you encountered any special occasions that inspire you or has caused a significant impact on your career, especially at such at, uh, due, at this time? Well, it has been about six weeks since the beginning of my participation in the management of this pandemic. And one thing I, I can say that is that I am grateful about the contributions of the Rakyat of Malaysia. When we were short of personal protective equipment, the Rakyat delivered. They raised funds, they did uh, DIY PPEs. They helped to ensure frontliners do not have to go into battle without armour. So this is really some, something really significant for me because as a civil servant, my primary goal is to serve the nation and its people. And the Rakyat at this time of need showed that they acknowledged and appreciated our role and they did their best to come and help us. So. It is very nice to feel appreciated and I think this, this, uh, this uh, incident uh, has spurred me on to improve myself so that I will be able to provide better service to the Rakyat in the future. So I am very uh, touched by the contributions, by the gestures of our Rakyat and I will do my best you know, to specialize later and to provide my service to the Rakyat so that do not to give back to the people. Oh, I see. Yeah, actually, uh, actually, I think uh, this is the first time since the beginning of COVID-19, I have seen so many posts and actually news from Malaysian and people all around the world that they actually show their appreciation towards healthcare workers. In fact, this is the most, like one of the one of the time where you can see the like uh, the, the appreciation is actually really obvious lah. and then then actually a lot of us we actually feel very touched and we'll see wow it's actually a very very significant uh, if something that actually it actually influenced a lot of us oh yeah mm. thank you. yes thank you there is there is a very strong feeling that we are working this together and we will make this out together as well. Yeah. So, mm, so all right. Um, before we end, Doctor Sean, do you have anything you would like to remind or any last word for our audience? Hi, Rakyat Malaysia. This is a difficult time for all of us. We all have to make lifestyle changes, and many of these will become the new normal. Please wash, wash, wash your hands frequently. Please practice good cough manners. Cover your mouth before you cough or sneeze. Please adhere to social distancing. Even if the MCO is lifted, please do not join mass gatherings for now. And also, it is perhaps a good idea for us to wear masks when we leave our houses. I am positive that we will come out of this a stronger, a, a nation more united. After a storm, there will be a beautiful rainbow and we will all enjoy this rainbow together. 
Wow, what a significant sentence from Dr. Shang. So yeah, this actually marks the end of our session with Dr. Shang. So here, we would like to thank Dr. Shang for your precious time and as requested by Dr. Shang, the latest hotline for befrienders is actually 0376272929 or you can email them at samalliantbefrienders.org.my And for Talian Noor hotline, which is also Talian Kaseh, you can access them at 15999 or email them at Talian Kaseh, Alliant, K-P-W-K-M, dot G-O-V, dot mine. So, with this, on behalf of the MMI podcast team and our organization, Malaysian Medics International, we would like to take this opportunity to thank all the frontliners for all their hard work and we strongly believe that with our hands together, our nation can make this up. Yep, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow and rate our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, feel free to give us a shout out on our Facebook page at Malaysian Medics International. Till then, stay tuned for next episode. And we hope to see you again. Sat